Welcome to Pixel Pizza. Did she say pizza? Your ultimate source for chiptunes, video game talk, and pepperoni. Delivered to you from Los Angeles and into the digital cyberspace of the 2020s. Pizza power! That's right, when super giant pizza. I want a large, thick crust with double cheese, ham, pepperoni. Hey, where's my pizza? Pizza time. Welcome back to the Pixel Pizza podcast, listeners. You just listened to our chiptune artist of the week, Parasitic Humanoid Volleyball Club. Say that 10 times fast, and I will email you a cookie. Uh, And the track was called Laugh Now, Cry Later. So I hope you like that. And now we are here with our interview portion of the show. Coming to us all the way from Shinjuku, Japan, is Justin Matsuzawa, and he is the a game director over at Decafe Soft. And how are you doing today, Justin? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Good, thanks. Uh, very happy to be speaking with you. So I like to get things started by asking the question, when in your life did you know you wanted to work on games? So, um... Yeah, uh, to get us out of the way, uh, this is my first time doing uh, a podcast like this, so I might sound a little nervous, so forgive me if I do. So um, there was never a specific moment um, where I thought I want to work in games. Um, it was more of a gradual thing. Mm-hmm. And then, um, uh, let's see, to make this make this clear, um, uh, the Cafe Soft is just a uh, one, one-person company. It's just me. And it's, just yeah. something I, it's just something I do uh, in my... Uh, free time because I have a different uh, main job. So, uh, oh, what do you do? Uh, I I work with computers. I do IT stuff. Um, oh, but cool. in the in in the future, I'd like to only do the cafe soft. But mm-hmm. I don't know if that's realistic. But anyways, um, so uh, back to the main question. Um, I would say wait. Um, how I got into uh, game dev, I would say, is um, way back in around uh, mid. 2006 or some, something around 2006 um i was uh into really into the uh sonic the hedgehog and also uh, pokemon games and then around that time um also right right now there's uh you, you know how there's several uh like game game development uh i would say software or environments like there's unity and then there's uh, unreal and then yeah and also yeah and, yeah game maker engine sorry and there's also uh uh, game maker right and so back then game maker was called game maker six and so around that time um you know people online would make these like replications of uh sonic the hedgehog physics on game maker and then I, and I thought um wow that's really cool you can basically make your own sonic levels right and so so for maybe a couple of years i would um mess around with uh sonic fan games i mean like i never made like a full game or anything i would basically just like make one level and then and uh play around with it um and then after that i got into uh rom hacking um with uh pokemon games so and so that i was probably doing that from 20 uh, 2008 to 2014 
And um, so during that time, I made a somewhat popular ROM hack. Oh, um, wow. And then, although personally, I didn't finish it. I, I finished like maybe 80% of it. And then a few years later, someone else did. Because Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah. Um, what yeah, was it and, like? Was it like a new world to explore? Was you adding new Pokemon or what was the hook? Uh, it, it was kind of like a... a remake of an existing it was it was a remake of the original pokemon games but with with some twists added to it oh cool yeah and then um let's see so so i stopped doing that for like in when i was in college this was in like 2014 um that was when i decided like i don't want to do this anymore and then because i was somewhat frustrated with the limitations of rom hacking um, sure because back then they didn't have like uh decompilations or decompilations of games weren't as common back then. And so people would just um, uh, like change the binary data of the ROMs. Um, but then during that time, I thought, okay, well, I'm frustrated with the limitations. I'm going to go back to fan gaming, except instead of Sonic fan gaming, I started doing Pokemon fan gaming. And by then, Game Maker had evolved into Game Maker Studio. So those like Game Makers, when I, when I first started, it was Game Maker 6. And of course, it was like a Game Maker 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 before that. Um, but then like Game Maker 6 had evolved into Game Maker 7, then Game Maker 8, then Game Maker Studio, right? And, mm -hmm. and so by then Game Maker was seen as a more uh, industry viable uh, engine because uh, right. I know there's there's games like um, Hotline Miami and also Undertale that- Yeah, I knew with. Undertale did. I didn't know Hotline Miami. That's cool. Yeah. And so um, let's see, I, I think both of those games might have started it started development when it was Game Maker 8, but I think when when it released, it was it had become Game Maker Studio. But anyways, um, so let's see. For a couple of years, I was working with, I was just making like my own Pokemon fan game engine. I, I never really got that far because, you know, I was in college and I was busy. Right. Um, and then by the time I was graduating college, and so I, I was in college for a little bit longer than usual. I, I think six years total. So I, I graduated in 2019. And by then I was thinking like, do I, even though I really enjoy making like fan games or ROM hacks, I thought, do I really want to spend my uh, free time, like my limited free time doing something that I could never uh, earn income off of? Or do I want to, um, what What if I made like my own game, you know? And, and so it was, I'll, I'll say maybe that's the moment where I stopped doing like fan projects and, and decided I'm going to make my own stuff. And so I started working on an um, 8-bit, RPG, which was also called Starlight Legacy. And it's it was different. It, it was it's technically a different project than what I'm working on right now. And so I did that for a couple of years. But then um, the reason why I did 8-bit graphics is because I thought it would be easier to do and faster to finish than 16-bit graphics. But then after wow. a couple of years, I stopped doing that. And then I took a break. And now I'm working on a new game, which is also called Starlight Legacy. But this mm -hmm. time, it's what I really wanted to do, uh, which is 16-bit graphics, since that's what I've always um done with uh like both Pokemon and Sonic uh fan projects and so um that's I guess that that's how I got to um what I'm doing now oh awesome so what what were like the biggest I don't know challenges about upgrading Starlight Legacy from 8-bit to 16-bit I think um let's see one one big challenge is um when I was doing the 8-bit version, um, I was using game the original Game Maker Studio, um, but by then it had already been several years old, and then Game Maker Studio had um, there was a newer version called Game Maker Studio 2, which has 
and since been renamed Kingmaker. Sorry if this is confusing. <laughs> um, but like one of the challenges was I thought, okay, I, I'm I'm gonna upgrade to GameMaker Studio too, which is a little bit different. Um, so it was a bit of a learning curve doing in doing that. And then um, another challenge um, I'm facing is um, I, I'm a little bit busier than I was uh, a couple of years ago, you know, cause like now I'm married and then I'm also advancing into my career a little more. So work is a bit more demanding. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's, it's not like I can, let's, let's say in the past, um, I would have energy to work on my game, do game dev after work. But nowadays it's more like if I, I, I have to, I have to set a schedule for myself. Let's say I, um, I don't do this every day, but maybe like three or four days a week, I'll get up at 5 a.m. so I can get in a couple hours of game dev time before my uh, real job starts. Oh, wow. Um, so maybe, maybe I wouldn't say it's a challenge, but it's definitely like something that's, uh, I'll, maybe I'll say I'm taking it more seriously than before. What have you found the biggest differences are between like ROM hacking and making your own games? So um, with ROM hacking, um, especially with, and I'm not talking about decompilation hacks where people reverse engineer the code so mm. you can recompile. I'm talking about just people, I'm talking about the old fashioned style where you like edit the ROM file directly. Um, it's, I would say it's more fragile because uh, if you like mess something up, then it'll like, it, it could like ruin the whole project or it could cause like a huge bug and, and you'd have to um, like track down like, okay, where, where did this happen? And and then, um, and then uh, another difference I would say is um, with making your own game is like, is that like you, you know where everything is and you, so, you know, you have control of all the assets. Right. And, and um, so I would say it's a lot easier to manage. And, and I would say like, you know, if I, Let's say in ROM hacking, if there's a bug that happens, uh, then you have to do a bunch of <laughs> crazy stuff to track it down and find the source of it. Um, oh. But then with like, for instance, like with Game Maker, there's literally a, deep, a debugger option that you can enable. And so it's a lot easier to, to find the source of it. And also you can directly look at the code you, you wrote rather than like the code that's been converted to binary form, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that... That does yeah. make sense. That whole process is interesting. Yeah. Uh, I know you were also working on a game called Mugen Cards. Oh, uh, yeah. Tell me about that. So, um, yeah, I, I'm i not working on it anymore. I finished it, um, I would say, maybe half a year ago. So after I finished the 8, or sorry, after not finished, after I quit the 8-bit <laughs> version of Starlight Legacy, I took a short break. Um, and one of the reasons why I quit was because... Um, um, one was I felt like it wasn't really my best effort since um, I'm capable of making 16-bit style graphics, but yeah, I was doing 8-bit and it wasn't really what I wanted to. And also uh, real life, um, working in my job situation at the time was a little bit stressful. And so, uh, yeah, there were a couple of factors why I maybe sort of lost interest. Um, but then after that, um, I started, um, I thought, I still wanted to mess around with making games. So, you know, I upgraded to Game Maker Studio 2, and then I maybe mess around with um, just making some generic RPG map engine stuff. And then after that, I thought, um, rather than making like an RPG right away, let's make a simple mobile game. 
And so that that ended up becoming uh, Mugen cards. And it kind of had a shaky release history since originally I meant for it to be a mobile only game. And then um, for uh, several reasons that I don't want to go into at this time because it would take too long to explain, uh, I at first I released it only on Steam. And then months later, I finally got it out on Android and iOS. Um, and so uh, ba basically, I'll just say like Mugen cards is just like a simple um project i made in between uh the starlight legacy projects and um but i i had fun making it and also it um now i, I know how to release games on steam and the apps the ios app store and google play so when i get to do it again for the next starlight legacy i think um i'll know exactly what to do so um yeah that's pretty much what it is i would say that's great to have that learning experience under your belt yeah and then um, I would say because of that, um, I, I'm thinking with my current, with uh, Starlight Legacy, I want to release it on both PC and mobile. And perhaps, you know, if I never made Mugen cards, I probably wouldn't even consider mobile. I would just say, nope, it's just going to Steam deal with it. <laughs> but, right. Uh, but, you know, porting to mobile isn't that hard, especially because uh, Game Maker makes it uh, quite easy. You just oh. have to, um, you just, you know, change the settings to mobile. And then maybe you have to reconfigure some of the, uh hud screen position elements yourself but you know right. that, that's you can do that with like a simple if or stitch switch statement so um yeah that's that was helpful that's great i guess if you had to describe like the top three things you want people to know about starlight legacy what would they be well one is you know I, i'm not trying to make the best rpg of all time i, I and um so some, you know, sometimes I'll get feedback saying like, this kind of looks like a generic RPG. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of the point. Because <laughs> uh, I, I just want to make a RPG that's fun. You know, I, I'm not trying to make like the next uh, Undertale or whatever. And, and right. so that, and then, so that that's one thing I want people to know about it. Uh, one, one other thing, this isn't as important, but um, since I, I do get asked often, like, do you do like the graphics and music and coding yourself and i'll say yes i do pretty much everything myself I, I do everything myself although sometimes i'll ask my wife for feedback on certain uh, character designs or whatever but that's pretty much it and then also uh, yeah it's a solo project and then uh let's see if one more thing i think what, one more thing i want people to know is that it's that there's no well i guess you could tell by looking at the the graphics that or with the grid-based um uh map system that it's probably influenced from Pokemon. So yeah, Pokemon is definitely an influence, but then it's also I've also um other sources of influences I could say would probably be the Mother slash Earthbound series and also the Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest games. That's mm -hmm. uh, good good influences to draw from. Yeah. Um thing is like when I was uh when I was like you know when I was a kid um the only Game Boy games I would play would be Pokemon. Uh, of course, like we also had like a GameCube and a Super Nintendo, so I would play other games mm -hmm. um, besides Pokemon on that. But then on on like my Game Boy, all I had was Pokemon, and that was also all I wanted to, you know, because like the only Game Boy Advance games were probably like the third generation Pokemon games, and the only DS games I had were the Pokemon games. Although I, although I did get uh, Super Mario sixty four DS, but anyways, that's going off topic. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, so you, you can probably see why Pokemon is my biggest influence. I, I do yeah. think um, 
the the classic generation, I would say like generations one to five, like up to Pokemon uh, Black 2 and White 2. Um, from the original, like Pokemon Red, Green, and Blue, all the way to uh, Black 2 and White 2, I would say those are probably some of, if not, in my opinion, the best RPGs ever, in my opinion. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. What I mean, makes they, them so special to you? I think what makes them so special is that they're, um, they, they, at least when, when you're playing them as a kid, it, it's easy to just get lost into the world and yeah. the lore of Pokemon. And then, um, and, and I, I think I explained, I, I think it's part of why, um, you know, I was so obsessed with it and also a, a lot of other kids seemingly are. And then, um, and then even though, um, you know, with the more recent titles, um, like uh, with Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, I haven't played it, but um, I do have a couple of nephews that are in it and they're, um, I can see them getting obsessed with it. And so I'll say, you know, there's just something about the world of uh, Pokemon and, and how it appeals to uh, uh, children's imagination, if that makes sense. And even though, you know, I'm not a child anymore, I still have those memories of, um, like, imagining if I was a Pokemon trainer in, like, uh, the Kanto or Hoenn regions, if that makes sense. No, totally, it does. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there are very few other games where it's, like, the player is a kid, but they have all this authority and they get to go out in the world and do whatever they want. And yeah, um, yeah. As and a then, kid, you don't have many outlets like that. That's true. Yeah. And there, there's also like uh, so much replayability because you're not forced to a set team. You can right. you can restart the game and then, uh, you know, pick a different set of Pokemon and reach a different set of Pokemon. And you don't always have to travel the same route. And then, and, and like you said, like it's, um, it's somewhat empowering to be able to have like control for your own team and then you can even like capture your legendary Pokemon and right and, and then you know there's always like an evil team in in those games and um and so like you, in some ways you're also a hero because you stop the bad guys from like uh capturing the legendary Pokemon or whatever so mm -hmm. yeah yeah and and I would say like you know those kind of stories they they really do um it, it just really appeals to children a lot absolutely I think now's probably a good time for us to go to our musical break for the episode. You're going to be hearing another track from Parasitic Humanoid Volleyball Club, and this is called Bulimic. So listen to that, and we'll be back shortly.
Welcome back to the Pixel Pizza Podcast. You just listened to Bulimic by Parasitic Humanoid Volleyball Club. And we are back with Justin. And one of the things I was curious about is that I saw in the game so far, you've like animated over 50 different spells. And so how do you, when you have like all these different attacks, how do you make them unique and exciting? You know, I, I think it's more, I approach it more of like a case by case basis. Like, let's say we have, um, you know, the basic fire spell. And so, well, how would it look like? Well, and I just imagine it in my head, like maybe it's just the user just casts a ball of fire and then it hits the target and they burn, you know? <laughs> and then, okay, so then, um, you know, and then, you know, with um, certain RPGs, um, you know, there's multiple levels to spells or maybe there's right. like a stronger version, like I know in Final Fantasy, there's uh, Fire, like, Fira, Fire, Fira, 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 yeah, yeah. And then, um, so I think, okay, in my game, I'm just gonna use the words like super and denote the words like super and hyper to mm-hmm. uh, denote the levels. And so I'm like, okay, how would I use super fire? It's like fire, but bigger, <laughs> or like fire, but more, okay? So that's how, you know, how I approached super fire. And then, uh, and then I'm thinking, okay, so how would I do hyper fire? Well, it's like, should I just make even bigger fire? No, that'd be kind of boring. Why don't we do a fire bowl? So I thought, okay, let's do a fire bowl. And then let's have like this uh, grueling, uh, that kind of sound effect. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> um, and so there's that. And then, you know, that, that's just one example. And then I would say, um, even, though, even though I do have, uh, I have 50 different spells, but then there's a couple spells that use either the same or very similar animations, such as I, I have a few uh, stat up and stat down spells. And then, so th- those use the same animation, apologies for that. And then there's all, I also have like a couple spells to set up uh, like barriers to prevent certain magic elements from hitting uh-huh. the player. And so, yeah, those use a similar animation. Of course, the the color of the barriers is different. Right. Um, but then back to like the unique spells, like for instance, for um, like in my game, I have the elements um, uh, fire, uh, earth, and ice. And so it's supposed to be sort of like a triangle because fire beats ice and then ice beats earth kind of, you know, because it yeah, can freeze the, the earth. earth in the ice age. Right, <laughs> and exactly. Then, and then earth can beat fire because if you throw rocks or dirt at a fire, you can put it out. I don't know, mm-hmm. that, that's that's my logic. It's not that deep. Um, yeah, so then let's say for ice, uh, let's see, it's been a couple, it's been like a month or two since I worked on the animations, kind of forgetting. For, for ice, I think, let's see, for I, the weakest ice, I just have like an icicle, you know? And mm-hmm. then for super ice, I have like a bunch of icicles, like, you know? And then for uh, hyper ice, I thought, well, you know, I already did the icicle and then the bunch of icicle things. So how about let's do like an ice shuriken and then mm-hmm. that spins. And so I did that. And then um, let's do a bunch of it, but then let's also have like, these random ice particles floating around. Um, so yeah, basically with these animations, I just sort of, um, uh, I come up with it in my head as I go. Maybe sometimes like I'll have an idea during the day, like, oh, what if I do this? Um, and I'll just make a mental note of it. Um, uh, uh, that's pretty much how it is. Awesome. Where's like the most interesting place or weirdest place you found inspiration? Just like, like you're saying and just in your life. I would say, for uh, for instance, in, um, you know, I, I'm also doing the music myself. 
Oh, wow. Um, but, you know, I, I don't want to, I, I, let, let me just get this out of the way. I'm, I'm not like a music master. I just have sort of a light music background because, you know, okay. I, I was in band and choir in high school, um, middle school and high school. And, and so like, um, I was, I was just, uh, and also like in my, you know, at home we had a, like an electric piano, like the electric keyboard that I would mess around with. So I'm sort of a self-taught pianist. Um, but anyways, the reason why I'm explaining that is because that's why I can do the music. And then some of the inspiration I would say is the music I listen to. Uh, so um, nowadays, uh, I, I would say the, I've been listening to, um, there, there's this one uh, uh, Japanese, what's it called? I, I don't know the name of the genre. It's more like electronic pop or whatever, pop, pop group called Yuasabi. Uh, and so oh. I've been listening to a lot of Yuasabi. Uh, and um, and so I'm not, I'm not sure if like that reflects in the musical influence, but it did make me think, you know, in, in my, in my, music I don't want to just make like a generic town theme although like the first town is probably sounds very generic mm -hmm. um, but I, I thought let, let's you know in I'm I'm working on like the town theme for the the second town theme and um it, it's probably going to be used in like multiple towns in a game but I thought instead of making like another generic town theme let, let's make something a little more upbeat and maybe a bit more modern and poppy if that mm. makes sense yeah yeah and um uh, by the way, have you played um, uh, Secret of Mana? Yes. Yeah. And then, um, so I, I know in some of the towns in, uh, it, um, in uh, by the way, I, I haven't beaten Secret of Mana. I'm, I'm like halfway through. But oh, anyways, me like, too. No, I never finished it. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, it's one of the games I'm playing right now. And then some of the early towns, like they have this like uh, really upbeat music that right. um, before in my mind, I'm like... It, if I had heard it without the, um, if I had heard it outside of like the game, if I just heard it on YouTube, I would think like this is town music. But then like playing it, playing it, and then hearing it as I enter that town, I'm like, wow, this actually kind of fits. And I thought like I should do something similar, uh, so something like upbeat and makes you feel like you're in a bustling town. If that mm -hmm. makes sense, yeah. So so I, I know those might sound unrelated, like. Some, some random Japanese uh, electronic music group and then Secret of Mama. <laughs> but, um, I, I would say like, um, I want to make something upbeat, but then also sounds a bit like modern and and something that maybe you wouldn't hear in another um, RPG, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's great. I mean, you know, certainly a lot of culture and ideas and new things have come about since the Super Nintendo era. So it's cool that you can yeah. find ways to incorporate them as you're making your own take on those older games. Yeah, because, you know, like, even though I'm making, um, the, the thing is, like, in my mind, I'm not really making a retro game, because mm -hmm. I, I can understand why people look at it and think, well, it looks so retro. In my mind, like, you know, I, I'm just, um, you know, I'm doing 16-bit graphics because that's what I've always done with, uh, like, fan games and ROM hacking. And so I'm just, like, doing what I've always done in a way. Um, but at the same time, it's because in my mind, it's not a retro game. It's a modern game using the limited skills that I have, basically meaning, like, my limited skills meaning, like, you know, graphics, uh, 2D graphics, 16-bit graphics. Um, but because of that, like, the I would say the music 
or certain rules won't strictly adhere to the 90s era of RPGs, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. It's more it's more of, I'm, I'm just going to do what I think fits and what, what I think would be fun or cool in in this style of RPG with 16-bit graphics. Nice. So, I mean, that leads to the question then, if you had like an unlimited budget and a full team, uh, would you still be going with sprite art or would you want something super realistic or something in between? I think if I had a full team, um, oh gosh, I, I hope I don't get um, angry comments for saying this because some people might disagree, but I'd, I'd like to um, experiment with like HD, 2D style in the future. Um, oh, I'm sure you've heard of uh, Square Enix's. Um, yeah, I don't think uh, anyone would be angry about it. Those games are awesome. Well, I mean, I, I've seen comments saying like, oh, like that bloom that they, they use, like just looks so ugly or whatever. Well, I personally, I think it looks awesome. And yeah, um, no, like Square Enix's games like Octopath Traveler and also um, the Live Alive remake. That was uh, so good. Which, yeah, I've I've done a couple of chapters of that. Um, I've been kind of busy lately, so I've been stocking on it. But um, mm -hmm. uh, to me, to me, like that looks so great, and I, and I love how uh, Square Enix is um, making uh, making modern pixel art games. You know, because for a while, I'd say maybe in like the mm, late or late two thousands or early twenty tens, it's it's like pixel art is dead. Like yeah, the the, the and, and like the Nintendo DS and the Game Boy Advance, like those are a thing of the past and those are the last systems that'll have pixel art. But then right. nowadays we're getting all these indie games and even indie games with pixel art and even Square Enix is bringing them back in their mainstream games uh, with their uh, HD 2D engine. Um, so the thing is like um, with uh, Starlight Legacy, um, you know, the first game, or well, let me make this real. If everything goes well, I want to make more games. I kind of have like a five game plan in my head. Ooh. So, um, you know, are with they the first all connected game, or is it just like different ideas that you have floating around? I would say that they're all connected. Oh. Um, and I, I do have an overarching plan that I want to do. Um, for instance, like I, I've, you know, I've thought of the story I want to do with the first game and then also the story. I'll, or I've thought of a story outline with the first game, and then I, I've thought of story ideas for the uh, second, third, and fifth games, and then for the fourth game, I haven't thought of anything. Uh, so I, I, basically, I know how it begins, and I know how it ends, and I know some things about the middle. Um, and so my my idea is, um, and, and again, like this isn't this isn't like set in stone. Who knows? Maybe after the first game, I'll be like, I'm, I want to make a platformer, you know. <laughs> Or, or I'll be like, I don't want to make games ever again. Who knows? But anyways, this is just what I'm thinking right now. For the first game, I want to make a 16-bit style graphics. And then um, for the uh, second game, which will be kind of smaller. Excuse me. Um, I'll say the second game would be more like a side story, like a Gaiden type mm -hmm. of thing. Um, and so for that, I want to do like Game Boy style graphics. And then for the third game, the third game I want to call Starlight Legacy 2. It's the third game, but it'll be called Starlight Legacy okay. 2. <laughs> and then, so that will probably also have 16-bit graphics, but it will be like better than the first one. And so I'll like try to improve my skills, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then for the fourth game, I want to do Game Boy Color style graphics. So, because the fourth game will be like the Starlight Legacy Gaiden 2. If that makes oh. sense. And then the fifth game, I want to make uh, Starlight Legacy 3, 
And for that, um, depending on the situation, it, it could be 16-bit graphics or it could be HD, 2D, if I can handle it, who knows. Um, but again, the, at, at, um, at this time, this is, these are just random ideas. None of this is set in stone. This is just yeah. like random, like an idea I have. Um, and, and it goes back to your question, like if I had unlimited budget and time, um, I think for the first game, I would still do 16-bit graphics, but then like for the final game, I want to do, I want to like go out with a bank. Like I want to yeah. make something HD 2D. And of course I still want to make the uh, sprites and graphics myself, um, but then maybe for like the actual implementation, <laughs> I could um, have people help me with that. Who knows? Makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, getting back to what you were saying earlier about like comments you've seen, uh, you're in sort of a unique position because you have an audience that is both in Japan and in the West. And yes, yeah. I was curious, like if you've noticed sort of a difference in the kind of feedback you get uh, from people from different parts of the world, if they have like different things they want out of an RPG, is that something that stuck out to you? I think in, in Japan, uh, there's more of an audience for mobile games. Mm -hmm. and, and so, um, yeah, so there's that. <laughs> And then, but in terms of the the feedback, I think it hasn't really changed much because, you know, like I, I just really post on Twitter and, and then sometimes I post in some like uh, game dev related discords, um, mm -hmm. both, both in like English communities and also Japanese communities. Um, but then like, I, I don't really get like deep feedback. I usually just get like, yo, that looks cool. You okay. Know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, so there's that, um, but I, I will say like, you know, so, sometimes I'll, I'll post, you know, a screenshot, you know, or like a dev screenshot and it'll get a lot of likes from my Japanese followers, but then not, not very many from my Western followers, but then sometimes it'll be vice versa. Mm. Um, I'll post something and it'll get a lot of traction in, on English Twitter, but not on Japanese Twitter. And, but like, I, I don't really, I haven't figured out the variables that cause that. And, and I don't think it's. It's not exactly lang the what whatever language I post because sometimes I'll post something in English and I'll have the screenshot in English, but I'll still have like a lot of Japanese likes. And then sometimes it'll be vice versa, like I'll post like something in Japanese with Japanese screenshots, but only get Western or uh, English huh. likes. I don't That's know. I'm still, I'm still I'm still figuring that out. And yeah, I, I'm sure as I go on, I'll find the answer. But you know, I, I do want uh, both audiences to uh, play the game. Absolutely. Maybe it's time of day. Like when you post yeah. them. That that could be. It could that could be it. It could be the time of day and not so much the content in it. Yeah. Sometimes the simplest answer is not the right one, but like the yeah, the easiest one. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. That's probably <laughs> it. Um yeah. And then what is something about your personal process that nobody knows? Uh, well, like recently, I started using Trello uh, to manage oh. the tasks that I use for for my game. Basically, like if I if I'm like um, I'll be working on implementing some feature or adding like a new town or whatever. But then, like if I discover like a small bug or if I like just come up with an idea saying like instead of doing this, maybe I should make it so that it does this instead. All so that I don't forget, I'll write it down in Trello. I'll create like a little task card in Trello. However, before I used Trello, I just used the uh, Reminders app on my phone. Um, I don't know if you're an iPhone or Android user. I am, uh, iPhone. Okay, yeah, on iPhone, there's like the Reminders app. So I used to use that. 
<laughs> and uh but yeah then i switched to trollo and so yeah i don't think people know that i don't i i haven't mentioned it on twitter i think so that's one thing um and then there, there's a couple other things where it's not so much i'm like hiding it it's just more like i i don't see a reason to talk about it on twitter like for instance like i do all the pixel art in paint.net and it's like oh, ah. that's cool but I, I don't think i don't think many people would care if they knew that mm -hmm. um, but but yeah that, that's another thing i do it in paint.net and i make the music in fl studio um and then uh then obviously i do the all the programming and code in uh, game maker and then I do the maps in this um, uh, program called Tiled, or I think it, the full name is called Tiled Map Editor. And yeah. Cool. So it's, yeah, a variety of different programs you use as you're doing this. Yeah. And then um, the thing is, like, uh, Game Maker does have its own, like, internal, I would say, like, tile editor or room editor. But then, uh, yeah, one thing I want to talk about with my game is that the the maps are all seamlessly connected like oh. the, po the pokemon games you know how like in the pokemon games if you exit a town and go into a route like there's no loading screen mm -hmm. right but then i would say like in in like final fantasy or dragon quest um at least with the early early ones like you exit a town and then the, there's like a transition screen and then you're in the overworld one thing i want to do with starlight legacy is that even though i'm making like you know a traditional style RPG, like with people with swords and fighting monsters and stuff. I want to have all the maps be uh, one big connected world like Pokemon. And it's maybe I haven't looked hard enough, but I can't think of like a 90s uh, RPG that does that. Or I I, I guess um, uh, the Earthbound series, or at least oh, right. one, in, one in two does that. Um, but but other than that, um, for instance, like I know Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest, it separates the overworld and the towns. So um, what I want to do is like let's make a traditional RPG, but let's have one connected overworld. And in order to achieve that, I don't use uh, Game Maker's default room editor. I I just in fact from Game Maker's point of view, I just have one room, one small huh. room. And but then like I load the tiles and the like I load the tiles and map layers uh, externally. And so I use Tiled Map Editor to make the maps, and then um, it saves them as like JSON files, and then I I have them read from the game maker side, and then just load them dynamically. And so that's how I um, I don't know if that's the most efficient way to achieve this like connected map system, but hey, you know it 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 works, and I figured out I figured out my own way, <laughs> and uh, it, um, we'll see how people feel about it when it. Um, when the game releases because um, right now I'd say like if you switch between one map to another maybe there's like a split second that the game might uh, pause a bit mm -hmm. but I, you know like in, in the Pokemon games like that happens in certain maps although they, they did it really smoothly so we'll see how we'll see how it goes yeah I remember in the old Pokemon games sometimes there would be like a quick like flash of light as you were going between like you were opening a door or something Oh yeah, there's there's that too. But um there there's not in in Starlight Legacy, if you go from one map, like let's say like from one map to the next to the to the next route, like there won't be a flash of light. Um but then like you know, if you enter a door, then then like the screen will uh there'll be like a small screen transition mm -hmm. uh, as you like enter a building, that sort of thing. Awesome. I think 
that was about all the questions I had for you, Justin. Was there anything else you wanted to chat about? I just wanted to say uh, uh, thanks for uh, inviting me to your podcast. Um, and I had a great time talking about uh, random uh, game game dev related things. And um, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, thank you for taking the time out of your day to chat with me. Yeah, no problem. So I have to ask then, this is the Pixel Pizza Podcast. Justin, where is your favorite pizza place? Favorite pizza place? Uh, maybe Domino's. Really? Okay. They, they, they have Domino's here in Japan. So yeah. I would say Domino's. No, I actually, I, I wanted to tell you, I stayed in Shinjuku for a summer a few years back. Oh, really? So, yeah, yeah, I was like one of my favorite times of my life. I miss it so much there. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I, I don't remember there being a variety of pizza places, unfortunately. It's it's the only one that came to my head. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. Really cool. What's your like toppings of choice? You know, I'm more of a meat person, but then uh, my wife is more of a maybe more healthy type. So maybe mm-hmm. uh, we, we do tend to do a compromise when we order pizza and just do like a half and half sort of thing. Oh, that's smart. But we, we'll, we'll, both, we'll both eat both types. So yeah. Sure. So I would, I would say in terms of toppings, maybe like pepperoni, sausage, that sort of stuff. Nice. All right. Then I uh, hope you get to enjoy some of that soon. And Justin, yeah. where can people keep track of you and your game? Right now, uh, Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. Uh, so my Twitter, uh, let me, yeah, my Twitter is uh, jmats1995. And I think my Instagram is the same. Let me check real quick. Yep, that's my Instagram as well. And so uh, I would say I probably post more frequently on Twitter. Um, so for now, that would be the best place to um, uh, keep up with the latest info on my game. And, you know, it's probably going to take a couple of years to finish. So maybe sure. I'm, I'm posting about it too early. But um, I hope I make something that everyone can enjoy. Yeah, I, I think you definitely will. I mean, RPGs definitely aren't built in a day. Right. Oh, exactly. Always exciting when they come out. So great. Uh, then thank you again. And we are going to sign out of pixel pizza with another track from parasitic humanoid volleyball club and this is called poem for amelia so listen to that and we will see you next week have a good week love you pixel pizza listeners bye-bye